0: man it gets better church it gets better this sunday or this last wednesday at 1:30 p.m. we had our first service at Stone Creek at Meridian, or Meridian at Stone Creek, uh, the senior care facility, and it was awesome. I borrowed some uh, hymnals from the Presbyterian Church, and we brought them over there. And I sang my, you know, the best attempt at some hymns, and it was the first time I ever got to say, "Would you please turn with me to 623 or 575?" I mean, I felt it was so awesome um, to be able to do that. And we, we sang the hymns and then Jacob gave a message on that Jesus is our refuge. And it was this powerful message on, on Jesus being our refuge. And I tell you, church... There's some beautiful people over at this senior care uh, facility. We had, uh, I think, a total, there was 19 of us there for this first one. They're so excited about it. When they heard that we were going to come over and do a service, they started a Bible study. So they now have a Bible study every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. And then they asked me, I know, and, and, and Lyle came over to me and he goes, I know you're not going to like this, but... <laughs> I think you need to do this every week. And we're like, ah, well, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we are going to do it once a month. So uh, the first Wednesday in October at 1.30 p.m., we're going to have our next service there, and we'll just see what God does. So keep on praying for them. we got some more people, a part of uh, the family over there that um, really need your prayer, need your support, need your encouragement And and really, I I think it's only the beginning of what God wants to do over there. So be excited. Be encouraged. This is pretty exciting to see what God is doing in our community. Well, last week, if you remember, we started our uh, series. Anyone remember the title of this series? Twisted, right? And last week, we talked about you can ask anything in the name of Jesus, and he'll magically do it for you. And we kind of saw that maybe that wasn't the complete uh, understanding of that verse. And so we, we looked at how we've twisted it a little bit. And, and this week, um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this one, it's probably one of the most quoted Bible verses, especially by non-Christians, but Christians quote this one as well. I even heard this one this last week. It comes from Matthew chapter 7. You've all heard it before, verses 1 and 2. Uh, if you want to help me out, say it with me. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Right? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. It's amazing. People who don't even believe in the Bible, who don't even think the Bible is true, will quote this verse, right? And they always quote it from the King James Version, right? Anyone know the King James Version? Judge not, lest ye be judged. In other words, what they're saying is, you have no right to tell me how to live. You ever thrown that one out before, right? I'm going to do whatever I want with my life. You can do whatever you want with your life, but do not judge or you too will be judged. I was kind of thinking about it, this idea of not judging others in our country. It really is one of the main values of our country, right? That you have to tolerate everything, That every kind of behavior, every kind of belief system, that you would have no right to say anything uh, about anything, right? You don't have any uh, right to judge whether something is right or wrong. It's really the society that we're living in. And you'll hear a lot of Christians say this about Christians, that Christians are so judgmental, right? Christians are narrow-minded, they're judgmental, they're judging everybody, but don't you know that Jesus said, don't judge or you too will be judged. So I love these kind of spicy verses and spicy issues, so I'm pretty excited to preach on this. What did Jesus really mean with that verse? And, and, and the question is so important to know the answer because it, if that's true, you know just at face value, if that's true, then we got to come to grip with some realities. That would mean that teacher in 8th grade who gave me a B on my essay... Who is she to judge? Come on now, right? Who, who are you to judge? You have no right to judge my paper. If we take it at face value, who would you... Uh, think about a jury. Have you ever served on a jury before? How would you even have the right... To judge or convict someone of a crime. Who are you to judge? Or maybe you're, you're, you're talking to the police officer and the police officer, he pulled you over because you're driving on the wrong side of the road. But you, Police officer, who are you to judge? I, I just wanted to drive on that side of the road. That's what I was wanting to do today. That was kind of my desire today. Who are you to give me a ticket? Who are you to judge? Or think about this. Let's take it a little bit uh, deeper, a little bit more just like, are you kidding me? Um... Well, I'm, I'm not even going to share that one. Actually, that that one's inappropriate. But who are <laughs> filter filter? That was good. But who are we to judge? It's complicated, but I'd say that it's also important that we get it right. I want I want to ask you some questions. I just want you to think about it. So I take Trevin to the haircut place. And he's my my boy back there operating the camera so that people around the world can hear this message. By the way, we still have people from South Korea Korea and from China watching our services every Sunday morning, which is amazing. So glad you're listening. Keep watching. We love you. We're praying for you. But think about this. If he goes to a haircut place and he says, I'm going to get a really bad word written just right in the side of my face. mm, Guess what? I'm probably going to judge him. I don't care what scripture you quote of me, I'm probably going to judge him. But then maybe it's a kid or maybe someone I don't know, right? And they get it, you know, buzzed into their hair. Am I the judge? Am I not the judge? Right? It's, I don't know. It's kind of complicated. Or maybe there's a random guy at work. I don't really know him, but I know he's married. I see the ring on his finger, but I also see that he's kind of flirty, right? He's flirting with people. And, and do I have the right to speak into his life? Do I have the right to say, hey, bro, I, I get that you're married and this is not okay or what if he's like my best friend what if he's in my life group and he's a Christian and he's married and he's flirting do I have the right to speak into his life or again is it just never ever ever judge our culture says that you can have sex with anybody right that's what culture says you can't judge someone else's sexual life well what if someone wants to have sex with a 12 year old do you have a right to speak into that hey that's not okay what if the 12-year-old is your own? Do you have a right to judge or not to judge? So I hope you get this. This judging thing, it is complicated. It's hard. But yet, I think it's important that we as a church get it right. Church, it's incredibly important that we get this right. Let's figure it out. What is Jesus saying? What does it mean? Does, he, does it mean that we never have the right to say, hey, that's wrong, cut that out? Or are there times maybe when we can Say these types of things. It's complicated, but it's important. If you were here last week, if you remember, I went through a real brief teaching on how to interpret or to understand scripture. We talked about three things. Hopefully, you wrote them down last week. If you didn't write them down last week, write them down this week. Number one, to understand or to interpret the scripture, you have to understand the context. You learn this in Bible school, right? You don't want to just take a verse out of context. You want to know who wrote it, why they wrote it, who did they write it to, when did they write it. And then you got to look at the verse, what comes before the verse, what comes after the verse. You don't want to just pull a verse out of context, you want to understand the context. Second thing you want to do is you want to interpret Scripture with Scripture, right? The best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible. So again, you don't want to base your whole theology on just one verse taken out of context. No, you want to see what the entirety of the Bible has to say on that theme or that topic. And then the third thing we want to do is we don't want to just be students of the word, but we want to be doers of the word. We want to apply what it says. I said this last week. You don't want to just uh, have the Bible be a text to be studied. It is actually a letter to be lived. So you want to understand the Bible? I want to understand the Bible. Here's just three simple rules. Understand the context, interpret scripture with scripture, and then actually apply it. Do what it says. Apply it to your life. So let's do that here with Matthew chapter 7. Again, what a spicy verse. I love this verse. Verse 1 and 2. The context. What comes before Matthew chapter 7? Do you know what chapter? That's so good. Chapter 6. You are amazing. Chapter 6. If you remember chapter 6, I read chapter 6 several times this week. Uh, What you keep on running into is this theme of hypocrisy and specifically the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. You see this again and again. He's dealing with hypocrisy. So I read chapter 6, then I read chapter 7. Chapter 7 kind of stumped me a little bit, because Jesus says right at the beginning, he says, don't judge. But then if you read into chapter 7, verse 15, he says, watch out. You be on your guard. You be aware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Whoa, wait a minute. I thought I wasn't allowed to judge. But if I'm going to tell or or deem if somebody's a false prophet or not, whether they're a sheep or whether they are a wolf, guess what? I'm probably going to have to make some judgments about that person. Are you from God? Are you not from God? So in the same chapter where he says, do not judge... He also implies you're going to have to make some judgments. And then when you bring chapter 6 into the discussion and Jesus is warning all uh, against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, what he's telling us is that you never, ever judge hypocritically. Do not judge or you too will be judged. The same measure you judge others, so too you will be measured. That's verse 1 and that's verse 2 and then verse 3. He's going right at the hypocrisy. I hope you see this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take out that speck in your eye when all the time there was a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. I hope you get this. So the big teaching here isn't on judgment. Judgment. The big theme here, the big teaching here is hypocrisy. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. To do what? To remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, look in the mirror first. Don't pick apart someone else's little faults when you've got these big issues in your own life. He's saying don't judge hypocritically. That's the context. Now we're going to interpret the Bible with the Bible. And I want to look at other verses that talk about judging. And it's talked a lot about in the Bible, so this is not going to be hard this morning. It's complicated, but it's important that we get this right. Four things that the Bible says about judging. And to give us the first point here, I want to invite up my intern, who this is actually her last Sunday here with us at the church before she goes back to Seattle Pacific University. But for this first point, would you please welcome Kyla Ferris.
1: If you haven't heard it, then go back to school or something. But honestly, do we honestly all follow this rule? I mean, I love books, and I I could sit and read books for the rest of my life. I love them so much. But probably fifty percent of the books that I read, I judge them by the cover. I'm sitting in the library, and I'm like, oh, that one looks great. It looks great, right? I didn't read it; it just looks good, huh? So I remember the first time I was asked to read *The Catcher in the Rye*. I was like, okay, whatever, you know. So I go to the library and I and I pick it up and I went, oh, it's like this dark red cover. It's got this big like weird dragon horse thing and these like weird scribbly scribbles. I don't want to read this. It's now one of my most favorite novels. I have fallen in love with that book. I love it so much. And I don't know where we where we developed this habit of judging superficially or, or judging, you know, by the surface, by the cover. Um, but I know it starts so early. I remember when I was, like, seven years old. I was Ava's age, and my mom, you know, decided to get me my first Bible, and I wanted the pink one so bad. It had hearts on it. It had, like, little flowers next to the verses, and she really wanted to get me the adventure Bible, you know, the one with, like, the kid rock climbing on the front, you know, and it was so cool. It had, like, you know, the, the good language. But I wanted the pink one so bad. And it's not like, you know, to me the verses inside of it was different just because it was pink. No, it was just the Adventure Bible, you know? Um, so what things in our life do we discount because they're not pink and frilly? What, you know, what, what are we missing because it looks like the Adventure Bible? Or who are we missing because, you know, they don't meet that expectation or, or because of our surface level, surface level judgments? Um, I think about social media nowadays, and it is the easiest to judge people off of social media. We have right directly in our pockets this network of people that most of them we know, but actually most of them we don't know, where we just sit and judge whether they're on Facebook or Twitter or you're on BuzzFeed, and you're just scrolling through pictures and, you know, taking all those polls. And you go through these people, and you just are critiquing and judging absolutely anyone and everyone. And those are God's children. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ that we love, and somehow we're addicted to this idea of judging them. You know, you're on Facebook, and we're addicted to scrolling through Brian Colby's Jamaica pictures, and, you know, why are Colby wearing those orange, you know, traffic cone swim trunks? Like, why Why do we do that? Why are we in love with that? And we just we just bash, and we are so addicted to just bashing people and critiquing people. And I'm sure that media right now is the, kind of the number one thing in our lives that is really just fleeting the feeding our flesh. Church, this is not what we were made for. We weren't made for that. Our purpose on this world is not to roll our eyes at the lady in the airport decked out in Louis Vuitton. And God didn't create masterpieces just so we can judge them for using food stamps at the grocery store. As Christians, we've been given a new heart, right? And we've been given Jesus's heart. And so now we have Jesus's perspective. He says very clearly in John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus talking, he says, stop judging by mere appearances but instead judge correctly. I don't want to confuse anybody, but there, there is a right time, like we said, to, to judge people correctly. But that's not superficially. That is by a just and accurate type judgment. And we'll come back to that later. Now, I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for three years or 30, but we're all young in our faith compared to eternity, right? So none of us have mastered this idea of you know being absolutely perfect and, and not judging anybody by their cover, so how do we do it? How do we get to that point of getting out of our judgmental minds and seeing Christ's perspective? Well let's go back to the word in 2 Corinthians 10:7. It says, "You are judging by outward appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider that when we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So the next time you're scrolling through Facebook and Colby's wearing some questionable swimwear, Remember that he belongs to Christ just as much as you do. His value is not determined by his orange traffic cone pants. Amen. (laughs) It would be impossible to hate anybody if we knew everybody's story. Now when I'm in the bookstore and I see that familiar red cover of The Catcher in the Rye, I get goosebumps, not because of the weird horse in front, but because of the things that are inside of that book that have impacted me greatly. If only when we looked at people, we saw the miracles that God is working inside of them instead of what's outside. With social media, we're just seeing the mere surface, that kind of surface level of people's lives, and that's why it's so easy to judge them that way. I believe if we just had the smallest glimpse into our neighbor's life, our first impressions would completely cease. Those those first surface judgments would just completely be gone if we knew what they were going through or the things that the Lord was working through them. When we give away our ideas of people based on their appearance or our first impressions, we start to see what Jesus sees, his beloved church. We see his people that he loves more than we could ever imagine. I'll give you a hint, LifeSpring. You are astoundingly beautiful in the eyes of Christ. When I ask God to help me see his church the way he sees it, I see a group of people that have overcome so much. I see LifeSpring as people that rely on the joy of the Lord as their strength. Some Sunday mornings I sit in the back and I'm just overwhelmed and brought to tears at how much I have fallen in love with LifeSpring and how much I see Christ pulsing through your veins. That is so much more than just the surface. That is so much more than just, you know, what, what Dan is, what kind of button-up he's wearing or how I did my hair today. <laughs> I would just encourage you guys to practice that. Practice looking beyond that. Um, it's hard. It's not easy, and you have to remind yourself daily. But sometimes it just starts with asking Jesus, saying, Lord, help me. Help me to see what you see. Help me to, to go beyond the surface. And as we're allowing the spirit to do his work in us in that way, he will start to show us when we retreat back to those superficial judgments. I'm warning you, it's it's dangerous. You're going to, when you allow the spirit to redirect you in those ways, you're going to start to p- see people that way you've never seen them before. And you're going to start to see things in them that you've never seen before. And the Lord is going to bring to light some incredible things about some of your favorite people and some people that you might not like. The complexity and the way that the, the depth of our faith is so incredible. And that's why it's really important not to judge people superficially.
0: Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So good. Never judge people superficially. I love that. You did wonderful job, Kyla. Number two, clear about judging. Never judge people hypocritically write that down if you're taking notes you should never judge people hypocritically in the book of Romans who wrote the book of Romans Paul Paul says this look at what he says he says when you're pointing out the sins of other people you need to understand that oftentimes you're, you're, you're you you got to look at the own sins in your own life you got to be careful this is what he says chapter two look at this he says you may think you condemn such people but you're just as bad you have no excuse when you say they're wicked and they should be punished You're condemning yourself. For you who judge others, you do the very same things. And then it's interesting. He kind of changes his tone in verse 4. He says, And don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? In other words, why are you picking them apart when God has been so gracious to you? Does this not mean anything to you? Can you not see that God's kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? So God, he's being gracious, and he's being kind, and he's being patient with you and your sin, but you turn around, you condemn everybody else for the same sin. You are judging hypocritically. Stop judging hypocritically. But this kind of judging is so easy, come on, and it's so common. I heard a pastor say this, and this is true in my own life. You are so quick to accuse others, but you excuse yourself. You ever done that, right? Oh, man, did you hear what they did? Oh, my goodness. I mean, did you know what I heard, right? You just go on. But then me, well, well you don't know. Like, you don't know my heart. You don't know my intentions. It was just one time. Well, you don't know what I've been going through, right? Come on. You know it's true. We accuse others, but we excuse ourselves. Judging hypocritically, it's a big deal, and this is what I've discovered, and I think this is pretty serious. When I find myself quick to judge, it's often an indication that I need to be looking in the mirror because it's probably a reflection of some kind of sinfulness in my own heart. I've seen this played out so many times as a pastor when somebody comes to me pointing out a sin in another person, and then I find out later that they struggled with the exact same sin. Life we've got to be careful with this one. May we never judge superficially, and may we never judge hypocritically number three again if you're taking notes write this down so important that we never hold non-christians to christian standards we don't hold those outside the family of god to our own family standards listen to the apostle paul again first corinthians chapter 5 verse 12 he says what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church are you not to judge those inside God will judge those outside. It's interesting. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? In other words, if they aren't followers of Jesus, who am I to tell them that they should be living a different way? That's not my business. And he says, are you not to judge those inside? It's God's to judge those outside. Think of it this way. In my house, in the Birch house, we have certain rules. We have certain shows that we don't watch, certain language that we don't use. There's certain ways that we treat each other. We had to talk about that last night. After Addie threw the little tiny pool ball at Ava's forehead and left the mark, we talked about we don't treat each other that way. Man, you should have seen that. It's just right there. Bam. Really good shot. <laughs> but think about it. Other houses in my neighborhood have their own rules. That's not my business. It's not my family. If someone outside the family of God, if they're outside the family of God, we're not going to hold them accountable to our Christian family rules. It's not our place to judge. That's why here at Stream, I'm assuming that some of you, maybe you are not a follower of Jesus. And, and you just need to know, I am so happy that you're here with us this morning. And I am not called here to um, point out everything that's wrong with you. I am here to love you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not even here to try to change you. I am called uh, to help people inside the family. Outside the family, I'm not called to change you. You know what I'm called to do? I'm called to point you to Christ. I'm called to point you to God. A God who is actually really, really good at changing people. In fact, it's the same God who's been really, really good at changing me. And maybe you're a Christian, or maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. Maybe you're addicted to something. Maybe you got a sexual sin going on. Maybe you have an anger problem. I don't know what it is. Just listen to me. I hope you hear my heart. If you're sincerely seeking to know if Jesus is real or if he's not real, I just want you to know you are welcome here no matter what you're doing right now. No matter, you are welcome. Now, if on the other hand, if you're coming in from the outside trying to push some agenda, it might not go as well. I am also a shepherd and I will protect the sheep. (laughs) But if you're coming here on level ground with the rest of us who all need a Savior, you are welcome here. Let's step toward Jesus together. Let's allow him to change us into who he wants us to be. Church, this is important that we get this right. We're not going to hold those outside the family of God to the standards of those inside the family of God. That is not our place. That is God's place to work on them and to change them. It is our place, what? To love them, to point them to Jesus. So don't judge superficially. Don't judge hypocritically. And don't call those outside of God's family to live according to God's family rules. I can tell that some of you have been doing that because it's kind of quiet in here. So hopefully you're listening. Take good (laughs) notes. Read the Bible. Follow what it says. Number four, this is really important. Always help restore fallen believers. As much as possible, help restore fallen believers. You know why you restore them? Because one day it's probably going to be you. It's probably going to be me. Don't get all self-righteous on me. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. And at some point, you're going to need someone else to help restore you. In the family of God, when someone strays What do family members do you come in you come together and you say I love you too much we love you too much to let you keep on going down that road let's get you back on the path of righteousness we all need to be willing to help others and listen this is important we all need to be willing to receive correction from others listen to what Paul says Galatians 6 1 and 2 he says brothers and sisters Alright, brothers and sisters, that means we're talking to people inside the family. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, wait a minute, All right, this, it sounds like we're about to judge, right? I, 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 who are you to say that's a sin? Who are you to judge whether that's a sin or not? Right? That's not very politically correct to call something a sin these days well who are we talking about and who are we talking to we're talking to a brother or sister we're talking to people in the family of God and we agree in the family of God that God's word is the truth and when the Bible is clear about something when we see God's truth and when we live according to it then that is wonderful but when we do something that is contrary to the word of God and when we see someone else doing something that is contrary to the word of God you know what we call it church we call it sin We call it sin. Ah, I don't know. Who are you to say that's a sin? Well, this is our family, and these are our rules. (laughs) And when you do something contrary to God's word, we call it sin. If someone's going contrary to God's word, it's a sin. And it says now at this point, those who live by the Spirit, what should we do to that person? Should we gossip about them? Should we kick them while they're down? Should we shoot the wounded? No, what do we do? It says, those who live by the Spirit should say it with me. Restore that person gently. Gently restore that person with the same grace that you'd like to be shown. Show it to them. With the same love that you would like to be shown, show it to them. You restore them. Help them get back on the right path. Do it with love and compassion. You do it with grace. And you do it gently. And then Paul says, but you got to watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And I've seen this happen. I've gone down this road. The moment that you start correcting others, you're vulnerable to pride. And we all know that pride comes before the fall. And in this whole process, you don't want to be falling too. So the moment you start down this road, church, you better be wise. You better be humble. You better have discernment. You better have just tons of wisdom from the Lord, or you may also be tempted. And then verse 2, Paul says, in the family of God, this is what we do. We carry each other's burdens. We love them back. We carry each other's burdens. In this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. We restore fallen believers. We restore those who are caught in a sin. That's who we are as Jesus followers, church. That's who we are. The same grace that forgives us is the same grace that we use to restore others. This is how we do it. We don't pretend like it didn't happen, but we also don't kick people out and shun them away. We love them back into fellowship. If someone is caught in a sin, we're going to call it sin, right? That might not be a popular word in the world today, but we're going to call it as it is. But we're not going to kick that person because guess what? We sin too. I sin too. And so we're going to love them and restore them back gently, praying for them, loving them, showing them compassion. So judging, it's complicated, isn't it, right? Come on, let's be honest. This is complicated, but I just feel it in my heart. It is so important that we get this right. And I want to finish by making this point. When Jesus came to this earth, in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. This is so important for us. Again, if you're writing notes, just write that down. He came full of grace and full of truth. And I love that grace comes first because I think it comes first because without grace, have you noticed that truth is kind of hard to digest? Right? Have you ever been there in a church where, man, just a whole lot of truth, a whole lot of truth, a whole lot of truth, that just drives people away. You, You shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you gotta stop watching that, you gotta stop doing that. Truth, well, this is the truth, blah, 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 blah. Well, the truth without grace is like, well, screw that. (laughs) I'm out of here. I'm going to do whatever I want. But the other side of it, if it's all grace and no truth, right? Oh, God loves you. You can just do whatever you want. Who am I to judge you? All behavior is acceptable. All beliefs are equal. Just do whatever you want. When there's all grace and no truth, I've seen this again and again. People just end up living their lives so So far off from what God had designed you and created you to live. I mean, far off. You got to remember, Jesus came and said he was full of truth. And he says, you will know the truth and the truth will what? It will set you free. You're going to have freedom. You need to hear this. Maybe write this down. Grace without truth will never bring freedom. It will never bring freedom. I see this in so many people. Full of this grace thing without the truth, and they are addicted to everything and anything. So, we as Jesus followers, we love one another by showing both grace and truth. The same way we are forgiven, what do we do? We forgive others, we show them grace. But the same way that we needed a Savior, we tell other people, You need a Savior, the truth. Those outside the family of God, we're not gonna judge them, right? We're gonna show them grace, we're gonna proclaim the truth. Those inside the family of God, if someone strays, we're gonna love them enough to tell them the truth. Hey man, you are going down a path that is gonna hurt you and it's gonna hurt others. But we always do it with grace because we are equally in need of the grace of God. That's how we do church. That's how we are going to do church, LifeSpring. That is how we are going to be the truth, LifeSpring Church, full of grace and full of truth so this week here's the reality have you actually tried to live in this world before this is intense this week the reality is you might find someone that you love and you're going to find them caught in a sin it happens way too often right and sometimes it's you but as you see that person caught in their sin this is what you're going to do you're going to restore them gently but the warning is be careful, because Jesus said do not judge, or you too will be judged. He never said you don't have the right to speak into someone else's life. That's what our culture says. But the Bible says just don't judge superficially. Don't judge hypocritically. Don't hold someone outside the family of God the, the family's standards. But when someone in the family starts getting into trouble, listen, we're going to love them way too much. To let them hurt themselves and to hurt others. The same grace that has been given to us. What are we going to do? We're going to give it to them. But we're going to speak truth. A truth that will bring them back onto that path of righteousness. The truth that Jesus said will set us free. Church, I, I think this is a very important message. I think it's important that we get this right. And I just believe that as we accurately interpret the words of Jesus, I believe in our relationships we will begin to see healing, we'll begin to see restoration, and most importantly, we will begin to see the life that only Jesus can bring. Would you pray with me? Amen. Amen. Father, we invite your spirit right now just to help us. (laughs) I think the cry in my heart, Lord, is that you would help us that we would be a reflection of your love to those outside the family. But for those inside the family, that we would treat one another with grace and truth, that we would gently restore those who have fallen. God, help us in this, Lord. Help us, Lord, to gently, gently restore those who have fallen. But also give us the right attitude. I know in my own life, give us the right attitude, the right spirit to receive correction from others. Help us, Jesus. As we pray, some of you, you know, even as I was talking, there's someone in your life, and and they're a Christian, and you know they are just doing something that is dangerous to them. It's sinful, and you you feel like there's these two extremes. One extreme where you just hit them with the truth, or the other extreme where you just don't say anything at all. But if you're in community with them, church, if you're a part of their circle, maybe in this moment God wants to help you And teach you how to bring them back to truth. And we're all going to face this at some point in our lives. But I just pray that when we face this, Lord, we would have your tools and resources to help us restore them gently. And so let's just join together. Just that we could, as a church... As a community of believers, ask the Lord for his help right now. God, we are asking you to help us right now. We want to get this right. We want to do this in a way that honors you, Lord. We we want to do this in a way that doesn't turn people away, but actually draws them closer to your loving kindness. Jesus, we want to get this right. Some of us, we're going to be faced with this even as we go home today. We want to get this right. Father, we pray for your grace. We pray for your truth. We pray that it would be right now moving throughout this whole entire room, Lord. Your grace and your truth. Your grace and your truth. We pray, Lord, that your truth would set us free. And we pray that the grace, the same grace that you have given us, that we would show it to others as well. God, for those that are outside the family of God, teach us how to love them. Oh, God, we need so much help in this area that we would love them, we would love people. God, show us what it means to have the courage and the bravery to love people and to tell them the truth about Jesus. That everyone needs Jesus, that I need Jesus, that the whole world needs a savior and his name is Jesus. Lord, give us your heartbeat for those that are outside the family. And God, for those that are inside the family, for those difficult conversations that some of us just know we might have to face this week, God, may we do it with grace while proclaiming truth give us the courage Lord to do this and to do it well and God if we're on that side of loving someone back to the truth God just help us to do it with grace with a humility not from a place of self-righteousness but a place of grace and Lord if we find ourselves on the other side of that equation receiving that correction from our brother or our sister God help us not to just put up the walls and go into defensive mode. Help us Lord to receive the correction that would lead us back into truth. We don't want to make excuses. I'm just talking about my own life right now Lord. I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to reject it. I don't want to be hard-headed. God we want to be open to you we want to please you we want to be transformed and conformed into the image of your son oh God help us as Christ followers to get this right teach us, teach us Lord, teach us teach us, teach us and Lord every time I've prayed that prayer over the last several months every time I've said God I feel like I have so much to learn every time you have told me That you will be faithful to teach me and we believe right now in this moment with this posture and this attitude of wanting you to teach us that you are faithful to teach us we believe that and we will leave this room equipped prepared to face the challenges and the difficulties of the day and i thank you lord that we will go into this week shining the light of christ In every conversation, in every encounter, in every meeting, we will come in full of grace and truth. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.